Well, I hope that worship was really meaningful to you and uh, got your heart settled in on God and in the right place. We're jumping into the last message in our series, Hashtag Blessed. Sad face. Like, man, I don't know how you feel about it. Maybe you're really pumped because it's been killing you with boredom. Maybe you're really sad because it's been a really meaningful message. I can tell you this, that this message and this series has been so challenging and encouraging to me at the same time. I am sad to see it go, but I am also really excited to tell you first, right now, right here, that the next three-week series is called Search Party. And we're going to be jumping into one chapter of the Bible in Luke, one of my favorite chapters Luke 15, and it is going to be so, so good. For three or four weeks, haven't quite decided yet, it could go either way. We're jumping into a series called Search Party, Find Your Way Home. And uh, man, the timing of this series, the messages in this series, I cannot wait to share God's heart with you and for you through this series and to, to jump into it together. But right now, we're capping off the hashtag series blessed, the Sermon on the Mount together. I hope you have your Bibles open to Matthew, your apps ready to go. Matthew chapter 7, the very end of it. And uh, we're going we're gonna to cover a lot of ground this morning as we cap off this series, hashtag blessed. Finding clarity and the good life in the words of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to jump into your word together. We need you to show up. Here we are, like waiting for you. We, we have nothing without you. And, and we're gathered here together online, across the county, across the state, across the nation, across the world. Here we are gathered online, at home, at, during our work break, sitting in our cars, wherever we are saying we need you to do something new in us. We need you to show up. We need you to, to, to teach us through your word. We need clarity and we want the good life and we can't get those things on our own. We need you to usher those in to our lives right now. Would you do it? Would your spirit work? There's no technology that can get in the way. There's no time that can get in the way there's no obstacles that can get in the way of you would you do it right now in this space whatever this space is however empty this space feels however crowded it feels just do it in this space we pray in jesus name amen matthew 7 there's a whole lot in here that we're going to talk about and uh, I'm going to kind of skip through a couple verses. We'll start it off with where we're going to start, verse 13. And then we'll skip through a couple verses here. We're going to cover it all, but, you know, just be patient here. And then we'll end with what we're going to end with. I want to read it to you first before we start talking about it, just so that we're all on the same page. God's word is way more important than any of my words. Jesus, he kind of builds off the ask, seek, knock passage, and he gives a bunch of contrast to paint a picture that crescendos with a therefore at the very end of this chapter in verse 24. 
It's all building to this final kind of like statement by Jesus on this Sermon of the Mount that starts in verse 24, but to, to see it crescendo, to watch Jesus build it, you can't miss the contrasts that he uses to prepare it. And he, It starts in verse 13 where he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. You skip down to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, and that's the most important word in this, that transitional word right there, circle it, jot it down to understand what Jesus is doing in these next, those last couple passages, you need to understand why the therefore, what is therefore? That's like the cheesiest preacher joke ever. I can't believe I just did it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, because of all that stuff, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, based on what I've just been telling you, you need to know Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Storms come. They always come. Sometimes you can see them a-brewing a ways off and sometimes they spring up on you like as if they came out of nowhere. Sometimes you have a few minutes to prepare for the storm that you know is coming, but sometimes you have zero time to prepare for the storm that's coming. I know this about life. No matter who you are, no matter what life looks like, no matter how hashtag blessed you've been or how difficult things have been for you, whoever you are, storms will come. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. 
No matter who you are, no matter what life is like, storms will come, all different kinds of storms, wearing all different kinds of name tags. They'll roll up into your life in a doctor's office. They'll surprise you in a phone call or a text. They'll jump out at you at your workplace. Sometimes the swell is slow, like a river rising. Sometimes it's unrelenting, like a rainstorm that just doesn't go away. And sometimes they will just beat you down, like the wind that is gusting, but they will come. And what happens next directly correlates to what you built your house on. We used to live in this house, our very first home together. We rented it from some friends. And uh, while we were away on our honeymoon, we, it was hard finding a house because I had a dog. Actually, we, Jen and I both had dogs. And so we needed to find a place that was pet friendly that we could rent while we worked on another house that we would eventually buy. And so we found a house to rent that was available for our pets through a connection and a friend, like literally the week before we tied the knot. We did not have the time we had hoped for to get this abandoned, pretty much abandoned cabin ready. Like, I don't know this cabin by the lake. It, it, my, my, my mom and my mother-in-law, while we were on our honeymoon, went and cleaned it as best they could. And they hung a sign on the front door that said, The Love Shack. And it was a shack. The, the cold stove that didn't really work anymore in the uh, one room that happened to be the kitchen, the living room, and the bedroom. It was, a, it was a one room, not a one bedroom shack. It was a one room shack with a one bathroom. Thank goodness it was a full bathroom. Like that, that, that coal stove in there that was no longer in use had a bucket on its roof. It was patching and keeping the rain out. I almost killed myself a number of different times trying to restart the a hot water heater with a butter knife in the middle of the night. It was a place that the pipes would freeze every time it got cold at. This was a shack through and through, and it was a shack placed by a lake in the middle of an old pine tree forest. Now, I don't know what you know about pine trees, but it's not a really great place to be when storms come blowing through. That's not the kind of shelter you want to find yourself in because every night a violent thunderstorm would come through or any time the wind would ratchet itself up and the gusts would hit 40 miles per hour or above, what you heard all through the night was crashing. Just these pine trees, these old pine trees, these worn out pine trees, just ripping and splitting and falling and taking whatever was around them with them. And I would lay in bed at night thinking, this is it. It was a good ride. It's going to be over. Like the, the wind is going to come and gust and knock down one of these trees and one of these trees is going to fall through this barely roof that I got over my head and I hope 
that I can fall asleep before that happens. It, it was a, a real wide awake understanding, like a, an eye-opening experience about how much damage a storm can do without notice. Life would reemphasize that point with phone calls about car accidents, doctor's appointments about cancer in the people I love. Every story told to me from people sitting across from me in my office who were crushed and heartbroken about storms that like old pine trees would snap off in the wind and threaten to crush them. And it got me thinking a lot about the storms of life and how in the world can you be prepared for them? How can you still stand when the storms kind of rush in? The unrelenting storms, like the rain that comes and just settles in and doesn't go away. The surprising storms that creep up onto you like a river flooding or the quick and terrible storms like the wind that just can knock you down. This passage, it, it teaches us how to still stand through the storms that come our way. And, and that's why I'm, I'm calling this message hashtag built. It's because when the storms come, how you stand the hope you have, getting through the storm, how you make it, is directly correlated with what you've been building your life on. The, you can tell a lot from contrast. Contrast helps you see. It, it, by definition, it points out the exaggerated differences, the extreme differences in one thing or another. Comparison is a killer, but contrast gives you clarity. Comparison is when I measure myself up with the people around me. It's when I look at my life and my unfiltered pictures and the feelings that I have and the insecurities I have, and I compare them to the dressed up, pretend, filtered pictures I see in someone else comparison is a game you can never win because eventually even though you kind of pass out some people around you you'll run into a life that's better dressed than yours you'll run into people with better smiles than yours you'll see people that have more money than you have comparison is a game that you are doomed to lose from the start but contrast contrast an objective look at two different pictures. Well, that brings clarity. That helps you see clearer. And we've been talking about how to see clearer. I want to see the good life clearer. And here in this passage, Jesus, he builds. He builds the contrast between a couple of different things. And ends it with the contrast between someone who is building a life wisely or someone who is building a life foolishly. The first contrast he shows is the one between the two roads. 
two roads, one's narrow and there's few people on it. Maybe it's more difficult. Maybe it seems more windy. Maybe it doesn't seem like as comfortable a road. A narrow road and a wide road. And the wide road has a whole bunch of people on it. Imagine it, it being a road that you can walk comfortably. A road there where there's plenty of room. A road where you don't have to, to worry about the bends up ahead. A narrow road and a wide road. And what he says about these roads is there's a narrow gate that's the one you need to go through to make sure you end up on the right road. And there'll be times where the road seems more difficult, it's a little more lonely, but take heart, you're on the right road. Even if it doesn't feel like a lot of people are walking with you, you're on the right road. And I love that he brings the clarity later in Scripture where he says, I'm the gate for the sheep. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And in our, we, we want to object, right, and say, well, how, how rude, how exclusive. But that's not what Jesus was saying. Like, there's no one else coming for you. No one else is making a way for you. This destruction that it's not talking about, it's not a future destruction, it's a destruction we can see all around us. It's not something I have to convince you of. It's a destruction we bear ourselves in our own relationships. There's one way to life, thank God, through Jesus who offers it to you freely through grace because he loves you. I am the gate for the sheep. You come in and go out and find pasture. He goes on to contrast two uh, teachers, right? These false prophets. And it should be noted that these false prophets that they would have associated with, they weren't the YouTubers of the day. They were the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, the people he would call whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. You're teaching all of this garbage to the people I love and dragging them down. You're attaching heavy weights to them. It would have been better that you were thrown into the ocean than you mislead these children like false prophets. And what he says about these two in the contrast, you have these guys who look good on the outside, but are terrifyingly evil on the inside. And those who are true and trying to show me to you, and you can tell them apart by their fruit. Then he goes on to talk about disciples. Disciples means follower. That's it. That's all. I know it's fancy church lingo, but it just means follower. It says you can tell a true follower and uh, a false follower not by what they say or how good they look on the outside, not by how good they are at playing church games, saying the right things when it's time to say the right things, making themselves look special, doing these incredible things in public, no, that's not how you can tell who truly is following me or not. You can tell them by their fruit. He contrasts these pictures and it's terrifying that he says those who think they're in, maybe they're not 
shouldn't be so confident. I never knew them. It's terrifying, but the contrast brings so much clarity. The gates, the fruits, the following. And Luke sums this part up. Luke is another account of the Sermon on the Mount. And in Luke chapter 6, he he took these three contrasts and he summed them up talking about a tree. He said, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. That's important. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Here's here's the point of these contrasts. Your heart, what's on the inside. We already talked about it. He's turning everything inside out in this passage. It's what's on the inside that matters most. And your heart will always leak out. Doesn't matter who you are, what position you have, how important other people think you are, what, what you do in your church or where you sit or what, how, how, whether you're a pastor or not. Yo, the heart is what matters and it always seeps out. The contrast brings clarity and the fruit that it's talking about, the good fruit, they can be found in, in Galatians. Galatians, it says this about uh, fruit, the, the good fruit. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Like, like the fruit is a choice to choose love. And then he goes on, he says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. All of the rules are fulfilled in keeping this one command. Everything you need to do is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He goes on, and he would say this in verse 22, the fruit. You can tell them by their fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit in your life and in my life, it's love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Your heart always leaks out. The, The cracks in your foundation will show up on the walls. That's how most people find out they have a problem in their foundation it's cracks little cracks that show the foundation underneath the house that they built is shifting 
cracks in the wall that don't seem to repair fast. New drywall is not going to fix it. New plaster is not going to fix it. Covering it up with paint is not going to fix it. When you have trouble in the foundation, the whole thing is in trouble. And you often see it first in the cracks. What cracks have you been wrestling with, man? The cracks in your relationships. The anger that you just can't seem to get under control anymore just pops out so fast. The impatience that is driving you, the discontentment. You don't have peace. You just are full of conflict. Maybe all of the issues you're dealing with in your relationships or at your school. Maybe all the back and forth you got going on with people. Maybe all the, 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 the guilt that you have been carrying around for so long. Maybe it's all just pointing you to a crack in your foundation. He summarizes this whole thing by saying, therefore, be wise. Build your life on the right foundation. And when the storms come, when the river swells, when it surprises you, when the gusts of wind blow in fast and strong and the pine trees of life are snapping all around you, your house, your life will still stand. What happens in the midst of the storm is dependent upon what you build your life on. There's this wise builder, and he built his house on a rock. The imagery here in the language that they used is this huge bedrock jutting out like the edge of a cliff, strong and immovable. It's not like a little rock that you picked in the right spot. It's not some rocks that'll do good in a storm, but maybe not an earthquake. The imagery that they have for this language is bedrock sticking out of the earth, immovable, unshakable, a mountain overseeing the sea. No matter what comes, nothing is going to move this rock. It's seen a few storms before. It's been through a storm or two before. No matter what happens, no matter how difficult it gets, this rock overcomes. Ain't nothing going to bring it down. Whatever is standing and built and tied to this rock overcomes too. Oh, the, the contrast, though, is the foolish builder who built his house on sand. And sand shifts. It doesn't even take a lot, right? Like you lay on the beach on a windy day and your eyeballs just got like sandblasted. You can't see your skin has that like nice ripe rash. It's not from the sunburn. It's because the sand has, it just takes a little bit of wind to whip up some sand. It doesn't even take a big storm, just a little bit of water at the wrong time. A little too much rain gathering around the edges. And sand shifts. What are you building your life on? That's the, that's the question. You see, what's so interesting about this passage is it doesn't matter what you build the house with or what materials you use. 
Those things don't matter as much. It's not about what you, what you use to build your house. It won't save you. You can use religion to build your house. It won't save you. You could use money to build your house. It won't save you. Because here's the other thing you got to know about the house. It doesn't matter what it's built out of if it's built on the wrong stuff. It's going to crash, whether you use brick or shiplap. What are you building your life on? There are two dudes in this passage with the same dream. You see, we're not so different after all. We all want the same things deep down, to be loved and accepted, to have purpose and meaning in our life to be able to enjoy life to the fullest we all have these desires to be loved with a strong love one that won't walk out on us or abandon us one that'll be there for us we all want the same houses we have the same dreams it's what you build it on it's what the walls of your life depend on. It's where the walls of your life find their strength, find their footing that matters most. Luke says, like, you got to dig deep. He says in his, uh, in his version of this story, he in Luke, as this is recorded, it says this. It says, they're like a man building a house. The wise man is referring to who dug down deep and laid a foundation on the rock. Like if you're going to build on something, build on something deep. Ephesians 3, 4, 3 says this. It says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted. This is where we got our weekly kids' name rooted from. We run a program. We didn't because of COVID, but it'll be starting up next year. This, this fall, you can guarantee it, probably in both campuses, this weekly thing for kids. This is where we got it from. This is what we want for them. It's what we want for us. Being rooted and established in love may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Paul's saying dig deep, get rooted, get rooted on the love and grace of Jesus. That's what you build your life on. It's not being built on religion. It's being built on Jesus and his unmerited and unearned love 
for you. Nothing you could do could make him love you more. Nothing you could do could make him love you less. And Paul's prayer for the church is that they would be rooted, so rooted in that love that like a tree planted by streams of living water, it would grow strong and nothing could shake it. That they would evermore be knowing how deep and how wide and how big the love of God is for them. Do you know it? Or have you just been playing church? Have you heard it? Or are you just listening and taking cute notes? God loves you completely and it's the game changer it's the inside out kingdom it's what the sermon on the mount is all calling out to us it's whispering it in our ears this is different than religion it's better and you need him everything you have been searching for what will sustain you, what you build your life on, is this idea that God loves you so completely. No matter who you are, no matter what life has looked like, no matter what storm you're standing in, He loves you and He sent His Son for you as a demonstration of that love to rescue you he's the only way because he's the only one who came for you he's the only one who gave his life for you that's what you build it on this idea that God is not distant or far off or unconcerned, that he loved you so much. He came to be among us, God Emmanuel, Jesus in the flesh. That he lived perfectly because we could never hold it all together or keep it all together on our behalf. He lived perfectly so that he could make a perfect sacrifice on that cross Paying for the grace we receive with his blood, the forgiveness of sins, the unmerited favor, buying us the opportunity to have our hearts made new. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, and this not of works, so that any man could boast Jesus said it at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. He meant it. He came to fulfill it for you, to do for you what you could never do for yourself. And Paul, he knew that God is able to do immeasurably more. It's right there in Ephesians than all we ask or imagine. <clears throat> According to His purpose that has worked in us, to Him be the glory. Be rooted in His love. Dig deep into the love that Jesus has for you. Build your life on it. And here is how Jesus says to build your life on it. Just listen for His words. 
Let them sink past the distractions and past your brain into your heart. Be ever attentive for his direction in your life and don't just hear it. Follow him. Put into practice what he tugs on your heart to do. And you will be building your life not on sand, but on a rock. And when those storms come, whether they creep up on you or they come in out of nowhere, like a gust of wind, they just knock you off your feet. You will overcome unshaken, undefeated, still standing, hope firmly gripped in your hand until that day that you go into perfect paradise to be with him face to face. You will be victorious. What are you building your life on? You choose. I pray you choose Jesus and the grace he offers to you. Let's pray. God, we don't we we try to build. We think we think it's the materials that's going to make it happen and <clears throat> if we just pick out the right siding and the right the right walls the the right rooms everything's going to be okay and we don't pay attention to the foundation the foundation it's your word it's your grace to us it's not just hearing it that builds a solid foundation it's putting it into practice and when we get all the laws confused and we don't know what to do next or how to keep following you would you remind us of what you said holds it all together just to love you with all our hearts mind and soul and to love each other the people who are different than us the people who aren't on the same level as us the people who disagree with us the people who don't believe the same as us to love each other not just the way we would love ourselves but the way you have loved us this is how this is how they know we're different we have a hope that they could have too the storms will come, but we know that when we build our lives on your grace and love and who you are, when we build them not just by hearing what you say to us, but by putting it into practice, we will always end victorious, still standing, overcoming, not because of our own strength, but because you are our rock. So thankful for the cross which bought it and the empty tomb which seals it. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.